SUSS Podcast presents Future Social. No one can tell the future. That's a fact. No one can predict how society will change, and that's also correct. But what's also true is that you can prepare for it, and that's why we're learning as much as we can about ourselves and our social conditions, how human behaviors and societies work, and how they affect our lives on the social. cultural and economic fronts the things that we learn will help to improve processes and inform policies so join us as we uncover impactful solutions for the greater good welcome to the SUSS series of podcasts future social hi i'm hamind singh and welcome to the podcast Recently, I've been hearing an increasing number of news reports on natural disasters. What strikes me is the extent of damage even in developed countries. In 2021, Germany, known for its innovative engineering technologies and early warning systems, faced destructive floods that killed close to 200 people and left more than 700 injured. The population was caught off guard by a month's worth of rainfall that fell suddenly in 24 hours. And that's why I'm delighted to speak with Associate Professor Ko Tia Yong from the SUSS College of Lifelong and Experiential Learning today. Thanks for joining us, Tia Yong. Great to have you with us. Thank you for having me here, Haminda. To kickstart the conversation, what are the facts when it comes to the question of is climate change real, and what really is its impact? Well, yes, climate change is real. Uh, it is ongoing, and it's going to go on for many centuries to come. That part we are committed to, but the general person may wonder,、uh, why do I say that, right? A lot of times in our own memories, we would remember days where things were different. For example, when I was young, I used to use a blanket when I sleep, but nowadays I almost never、uh, use any blanket when I sleep, and and that's a testament to how warm it has become. But as a scientist, I can tell you more. For example. The Earth's average tem- surface temperature, that's tracked by our instruments deployed、uh, all over the Earth's surface, they do record a increase in temperature for more than 200 years already. The record started in the 18th century, so this is a very long record. At the same time, we also know that、uh, climate change is affecting in the higher parts of the atmosphere, something like 20 to 50 kilometers high up, where it's actually cooling the atmosphere. That is another evidence that things are not right because right up there, so high, is also changing, and all these are happening because we are putting in more and more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, and this carbon dioxide is not just absorbing the infrared that is coming in from the Earth's surface, but it's also radiating the infrared into the space. So that's why it's making the middle atmosphere cooler,、right. at the same time making the surface warmer. Right. So this is a real thing that's happening, and there's evidence for it, and we understand it. From what I've heard from you, the fact is climate change is real, and the evidence we've seen is that not only in Singapore or specific countries, but on a global scale, we've seen through measurements that ground temperatures are rising, and at the same time, the temperatures within the middle atmospheres or the higher atmospheres are reducing. Right, and this is proof that climate change is real. Could you share a little bit more about the impact that this has on us? First of all, the physical environment is changing. The sea level is rising. Again, we have good instrument records. We measure the sea level because we want to know the tide condition. But we can average out the tides, and then we get what we call a mean sea level, and that value has been rising again for hundred years or more. In Singapore, we track the sea level a lot because we are a major port, and the sea is important to us. 
And another aspect of the physical uh, environment changing is the fact that ocean is becoming acidic because carbon dioxide dissolves in water right. to form a weak acid. Ah. So the marine creatures are suffering because those that form shells, like your corals, your clams, your crabs, these are made of calcium carbonate. And with the more acidic ocean, it's harder for them to make these shells or these skeletons. Okay. But besides the physical environment, there is also the human environment. And our lives are also affected. For example, in the Mekong Delta, the sea level is rising. The seawater is slowly infiltrating into the land. Right. And those land are very fertile and they're used for growing rice. But when the seawater penetrates the land, rice crops get affected. The production of rice gets affected. That threatens not just Vietnam's uh, food supply, but our food supply in Singapore as well, because Singapore imports yes. a lot of rice from Vietnam. That's right. It's our largest source right now of rice imports. So our lives in Singapore would be affected when food is threatened. And more than that, because I mentioned the emission of carbon dioxide, if we were to reduce the emission of carbon dioxide, that requires us to limit our fossil fuel consumption, which is used to generate energy, electricity to drive your car and the vans and lorries. So when we need to reduce the carbon emission, it does affect the way we live and work because we use energy everywhere. Yeah. And to produce this energy, we are emitting carbon dioxide. Yes. And so you limit one, you have to limit the other, it seems. Right. So we are get affected. And the exposure to the dangers of climate change when you have, for example, coastal flooding yes. because of higher sea level is also unevenly distributed. Poorer countries with more vulnerable populations, for example, in Bangladesh, right. a lot of people live just above sea level. So when the sea level rises, they are exposed to all these dangers, which richer nations further away from the sea, they will not be affected. Right. Yeah. So the rising sea levels is actually quite a concerning issue. Indeed. And if I could just bring it back to the local context, because in Singapore, we are living in a coastal city. Is this a concerning trend for us as Singaporeans? Yes, it is a very concerning trend because most of our coasts are reclaimed. And when it was reclaimed, there's a certain projection of how high the reclaimed land should be above the highest historical tide. Okay. Uh, and right now, when the sea level is rising, the highest record in history is no longer a reliable benchmark for this kind of planning. Yes. It means that with a higher mean sea level in the future, a smaller storm would be able to whip up waves that can crash onto land. Ah, that is something that we need to be concerned about. Right. And adequate protection against this higher sea level needs to be put in place. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That does sound quite concerning. In terms of, now I'm looking more at our lifestyles, right? We hear so much about climate change and what's going on. Yes, the impact is real as what I've heard just now. And social media and news are never short of news that climate change is happening. Let's work on it. But down at the individual level, me, my circle of friends, our lifestyles haven't really changed, I would say. We've learned about the three R's back in school when I was in primary school. We continue to hear about things today. And yes, we may be charged for using plastic bags uh, at the supermarket, right? But really, should we be doing something more at the individual level? And should we be more concerned than we currently are? I know what you're saying, Hamida. Yeah. Uh, same thing, because in Singapore, from very young, we are taught certain good habits, yes. how to save water, energy. It's actually 
at that time, it's not so much about climate change. It's just about conserving natural resources because Singapore lacked them. Right. Uh, so as a result, with climate change happening right now, the two objectives come together. Okay. And very nicely, what we have been doing before in terms of saving energy and water and taking care of our environment in this small island state, those still apply. Okay. So it might appear to us that, oh, there's not much else to be done. But that's not quite true. In fact, right now, there's a new dimension to this because we are talking about not just carbon dioxide. We are talking about methane gas, which is a greenhouse gas that is 37 times more powerful than carbon dioxide in terms of its global warming potential over a 100 years. Okay. So methane is produced when animals like our cows or our sheep or our chickens, when they eat, they digest the food and then they will burp or sometimes they would fart, yeah. and they would pass out these methane gas into the surroundings. Yes, well, well animals do fart. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all, all humans and mammals. <laughs> yes, and when we eat a lot of meat, we rear a lot of these animals. Yes, and these animals, when they burp and they fart, they produce a lot of methane into the atmosphere. In a way, because of us, because we eat so much meat, right. there are so many of them. So this is something that we can address as well. We can straight away cut down our meat intake. If you have a vegetarian day for one day in a week, for example, that would be something like a 14% reduction in the meat consumption, right? And we're not talking about this week or next week. We are talking like if you do this for the rest of your life, that's a lot of methane that is going to be right. saved yes. from emitting the atmosphere because you directly cut down the consumer demand. Right. You see, when the customers reduce their demand, obviously the producers will produce less, right? Yes. They wouldn't produce a meat that would not sell. Yes. So straight away, the market forces can take over. Right. Imagine every Singaporean does that. Then our meat demand will not rise as high. Right. And that means fewer of these animals need to be reared and then, of course, less farting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. it's enlightening to know that if each of us has a small change in the way we lead our lives, collectively, we can contribute significantly to this reducing climate change. Yes. But having said that, I yes. must also emphasize that there are some things that individual action is not enough. Okay. It's good to have individual action, but there are certain things, for example, if we say, okay, let's buy an electric car yes. so that we'll cut down the carbon dioxide emissions from the tailpipe. Yes. That sounds good. But do you know that the electricity that we make in Singapore is actually made from burning natural gas? Ah. So that's what we do. So when you switch to an electric car, yes, you will not be emitting carbon dioxide from the tailpipe, but the electricity comes from a power plant that is burning natural gas that is still producing carbon dioxide. Right. Yeah. Of course, there's a certain scale of economy here when all the cars, let's say, use electricity, then you could make the electricity making process more efficient and the per car carbon footprint would be reduced. Right. And anyway, natural gas use more energy per molecule of carbon dioxide produced than petrol, for example. Oh. Yeah. Natural gas just packs more energy okay. uh, for every kilogram of carbon dioxide produced. However, it's not zero. And so what needs to be done is also we change the way we make electricity and that is not a personal or consumer's decision. Right. That relies on government incentivizing these power companies as well as the companies, them taking up new technologies mm. in order to change the energy base. Right. And right now, part of it is also limited by the fact that Singapore is small. We don't have the land area to capture all the solar energy, for yes. example. So where are we going to get the renewable energy that will replace natural gas? That, in a way, doesn't depend on us. 
It also depends on the international community. How fast they develop the renewable energy resources. For right. example, Australia. If Australia is able to generate electricity renewably using solar power or wind power, and then they can store this electricity in another form. For example, by breaking up water into hydrogen and oxygen, and hydrogen can be a energy commodity. Right. This way of producing hydrogen, we call it the green hydrogen production. Okay. So this green hydrogen can be exported to countries like Singapore. Okay. Just like any other energy commodity. Right. These are all technological innovations that are currently being looked at. Okay. And whether they can take off commercially, that is a question that is uh, it remains uh, to be seen. Remains to be seen. Okay. Thank yes. you so much for sharing. I mean, it's nice to know that there are these possibilities out there that, if explored further and do come to fruition, can significantly help us in this pursuit of reducing the impact of climate change. And therefore, I feel a little bit more comfortable now when my two-year-old son grows up. I'm glad to know that there is a possibility of him not having to face even warmer days. He may then have to sleep shirtless. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just moving back to the current context. So these are possibilities, right? Should I be concerned or can I be confident in current initiatives that are already ongoing in today's world that helps to reduce this impact of climate change? Uh, Haminda, I need to unfortunately correct something. Yes. Um, I'm afraid your son may still have to sleep shirtless one day. <laughs> <laughs> because even if we stop all production of uh, carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases today, okay. the amount that is already present will continue to warm the earth oh, okay. for a few hundred years. Okay. So it will still get warmer. That part, we are in it already. Okay. All this climate action, what we are trying to do is to slow down this warming. Right. To keep it within the 2 degrees Celsius target of this Paris Agreement. Okay. So we're only talking about reducing the rise, not stopping the rise. I see. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, has, I have to break this news when he gets older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, my question was, are there current initiatives that I can be confident of in reducing the impact of climate change that are already happening now? So these are uh, mitigation efforts Mm. at the society level, for example, in Singapore, Ministry of Transport has announced already that it has plans to have more of the electric car charging points built in Singapore, as well as put incentives for private developers to also build these infrastructure in their own private developments. So that is one very good initiative to encourage consumers to switch to electric vehicles. And as I said, while doing that, we also need to shift the energy production methods. Okay. But the two has to go on in tandem. Right. Yeah. So in other words, the individual efforts do play a part, but at the same time, we need market forces as well as governments with yes. private companies to come in to yes. facilitate this process. Yes. And the magic of it in the market economy is that, let's say when the consumer demand for electric cars goes up, then the demand for electricity obviously would go up. Right. So that creates a space for suppliers to come in with new technologies, new energy production means. So you create a space for businesses to obviously earn money. Yeah. But in that process, you bring in new technology. The power plants that are already built, you see, they have sunken capital costs. So they would still be in production for quite some time. That would meet the old demand. Right. But the new demand created by having more electric vehicles, for example, can be met by new means of creating energy. Yeah. 
So in other words, big players do have a big part to play as well, in addition to individual contributions on the ground, right? Yes. I'm still curious, at the individual level, in order to change certain lifestyles, like you talked about going vegetarian once a week, how do we change people's mindsets? Is it a matter of, can I talk to my friend and tell him, you know, hey, let's meet for dinner at a vegetarian cafe instead? <laughs> He'll be looking at me and like, what's up? <laughs> He'll politely say that, Haminda, maybe we find another day to meet. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps. Are there any suggestions you can give in terms of how do we adapt as a society, right, to this changing mindset? I think, first of all, it has to be said that mindsets are very difficult to change because we are creatures of habit. However, we are also creatures of intellect. Mm. So by bringing awareness to people, letting them know the reasons, and then that is one way to spark action. A lot of times then, it depends on how you understand people, how they perceive changes, how they perceive dangers. If they see this climate change as happening far away from us, for example, uh, rising temperatures are causing more frequent bushfires Mm. in Australia or California, they may think that it's very far from us. And so the urgency is not there. Or they may conceive of this as happening long into the future. And then again, more and more Singaporeans don't have kids, unlike you. (laughs) And they may feel that it's not my problem then. Uh, So this time and space is one hurdle that we have to overcome. How? First of all, the latest report from the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change, there are six assessment reports. It makes very clear that now, if we adopt a low-carbon path today, then within 20 years, we will see a discernible difference in the global warming trend. Okay. This is the latest finding. I see. Uh, So it's not so far away. 20 years, I think both of us will still be around, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) So this is something that's important, that we can do something today. And the consequence of not doing so, this latest report also says, then we cannot stay within this two-degree threshold. We will exceed this threshold by the end of the century. And the consequence of this is very unsure. We do not know how worse climate change can get. Yes. There are talks about tipping points in the climate system where if you exceed one of these tipping points, the climate system can go to a different regime. It is known that in geological history that the Earth has become uh, ice-free completely before. Okay. Ah. So will we push ourselves into that regime? Right. Or we don't know. Okay. But it's now the international target that we must stay within that 2 degrees Celsius to stay clear of these so-called tipping points in the right, system. Right. So what I gather is to appeal to the logic because people are logical beings, um, I would like to think. And with that in mind, to present the facts of the urgency of the matter and the fact is that we can take small steps right, in our lifestyle changes to help to reduce the potential impact of climate change. Indeed. Yeah? A very small step would be to stop using single-use plastics. Right. If you're buying takeaway like we do now with the COVID around, we can stop taking those plastic spoons and forks when we are eating at home because we do have those uh, cutlery. That itself would save a lot of carbon from right. being released in the atmosphere because right. in Singapore, when we throw away plastics, they get burnt. Yes. And the carbon is released as carbon dioxide uh-huh. in the atmosphere. And that further worsens the impact. So Tiarong, referring to your earlier point that you mentioned just now, if society were to adopt the low carbon path, there is promise in the sense that the severity of the impact of climate change will not be as dire in the future. If as a larger population, we do succeed in adopting this low carbon path, could you share a little bit more about what would a future society look like? I think, first of all, when we are successful in adapting and to climate change and mitigating climate change, we would like that the whole future of the society will not look too different 
that's why we are successful. You still have cars going around in Singapore, and then you you still have food on the table. But the way we generate energy to move those cars will be different. So behind the scenes, instead of burning natural gas in our power plant, we may be importing renewable hydrogen in the future. The food still is as delicious as ever. We can have our chakwe tiao and our biryani. Great. But maybe the eggs used to fry the chakwe tiao are locally produced. We have a target of reaching 30% local production of food by the year 2030. So behind the scenes, the sources are different. But I think quite beyond these market workings. I think at a social level, there could also be a subtle change because right now, when we have a carbon pricing act, the power companies have higher business cost, and sooner or later, they would pass on this business cost to the consumers, which means our electricity bills will be higher. For the every Singapore household, utility bills are not a big part of their household expense. But then there are the lower income groups where utility bills are a larger fraction of their household expense. So an increase in electricity bills means much more to them, and there is awareness of it now. And the government has pushed out additional U-Save、uh, vouchers to help these families cope. So in the future, I think there will be a greater awareness of vulnerable sectors in our population. And how we become a more caring society by reaching out to them to help them along, because of these additional costs. So I think the future would be a kinder and and more inclusive society as a result.、Yeah. Thank you for painting a pretty rosy picture for us. But we need to make the effort now, and that's come quite clear through this conversation. And I'd like to thank you for your sharing today. Personally, my key takeaways from this conversation is that. Firstly, we ascertain that climate change is real. You shared based on the observations, not only in Singapore or a specific country, but at the global level, what we observe and what the measurements are telling us is that on the ground temperatures are rising, while at the higher ups in the atmosphere temperatures are reducing, and this is due to the impact of carbon dioxide. And therefore, climate change is something we do need to be concerned about. But at the same time, as an individual, a common man can play our part in lessening the contribution towards climate change. And you quoted some ways, for example, reducing single-use plastic bags or turning vegetarian just once a week. However, to facilitate these lifestyle changes, the private and public sector, along with governments, also have a part to play, so that we can all work this together. It's more of a two-way cohesive cycle that we collectively play a part with in order to reduce the impact. And lastly, in terms of social impact, we may actually become a more kinder society as we raise awareness of the more vulnerable sectors within our society. Thank you for sharing, Taeyong. I really appreciate your time on this show. Thank you for having me here. Please remember to tell your son to be prepared for warmer days.、Ahead. Yes, I need to break down the messaging after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Future Social, an SUSS series of podcasts. To find more episodes, visit suss.edu.sg/podcast.